0: Driscoll with us. Irish Breakdown. Brian, good morning to you, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks for having me on. I want you to take these three names and give me a grade. I want you to take Jared Parker, new offensive coordinator, Gino Guiduli, quarterback coach, and Joe Rudolph, old line coach. Give me a grading higher on those
1: three. I go B. You know, I I think that, that Gino has, has very good record as a quarterback's coach, did a great job at Desmond Ritter. Uh, Joe Rudolph is a, is a solid offensive line coach, has done some good things at Wisconsin. I'm curious to see how he does as just a line coach and not also as the offensive coordinator, which you know, something I, I feel kind of maybe hindered some of the production and, and effectiveness that he had at Wisconsin with his offensive lines. You know, And Jared Parker's a wild card, right? That's the unknown because we, we have never seen him in this role. But I, he did a phenomenal job last year with tight ends. He's a strong recruiter, and he's a smart guy. Now, does that mean he'll be a good offense coordinator? I have no idea. But I'll give it a B because I think it's I think it's a quality group. It's not an elite group. It wasn't necessarily like this great needle-moving group so far, at least on paper. But it was a solid group. Was the
0: Matt Luke flirtation simply a situation where he didn't want to uproot his family from Athens? That's exactly
1: yeah, that's exactly what it was. Look, he came up. He brought his whole family with him. There was a lot of interest. Coach Luke really enjoyed his visit, uh, you know, from, from talking to different sources, really impressed with Coach Freeman and the vision he has and and the staff, but it was it was about talking to his family. You know, he's got two young boys. I think they're about 12 and 15, somewhere around there. You know, they play baseball, and, and that's a hard move to make. Look, I, I had to move from Ohio to Virginia at 15. That's not an easy thing to do, you know, to just uproot your family like that, and the end of the day that that he decided to to keep doing what he did when he left Georgia, which is I'm doing this for my family. And I got to be honest, I was disappointed. He didn't take the job, but I had a great deal of respect for that kind of decision. That's not an easy thing to do for someone who clearly still loves football and wants to coach again.
0: Marcus Freeman at his press conference week or two ago, whenever that was at the podium. And obviously Marcus is very polished said, Folks, there was no problem with the buyout or the money or the support from Jack Swarbrick. Of course, Swarbrick, a guy that I've liked, sent out a pretty arrogant email that we also a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. too, denying this as well, even though not being real specific. My theory is it was a problem. They're just on the same page as far as the message. Am I misguided here?
1: Not at all. That was an employee being sent out to defend his boss yeah. because his boss didn't have the guts to get out there and defend himself. That's basically what, to me, what it came down to. That, it's as simple as that.
0: I agree. But I tell you, I
1: mean, they they, they had the messaging down, didn't they, man? <laughs> well, it took them a week to get there. I mean, you know, he, he had a week to, to figure it out. So, yeah, he should have had it down pretty well. And there's a whole lot better messaging on Monday than it was in that email on Friday. That's for darn sure. Oh. Some did, obviously he
0: didn't have a staffer read proofread that, no. uh, or or if he did, Brian, the staffer was too scared to critique it. One of two things, I
1: mean, it was just a condescending, um, arrogant. <laughs> who are you to challenge me? Do you know who I am? I'm right. Jack, I'm Savvy Jack. And then the audacity at the end to ask for money. Uh, is what sent a lot of people that uh, are subscribers and followers of ours Breakdown kind of over the edge in uh, with that email.
0: All right. The question that comes up for the last 200 years, and that is future affiliation for Notre Dame. And obviously their relationship is NBC. NBC also has a new relationship with the Big Ten. The thinking, though, Brian, is that the relationship with the Big Ten actually helps Notre Dame, meaning the NBC relationship
1: doesn't hurt them. Is that fair? Well, I think that's the argument they make. And, and, and if, if what Notre Dame says is accurate, I do think it helps. And basically it is that this means NBC is up in their college football game because, I'll be honest, I can't stand the NBC product when it comes to what they do for Notre Dame. It's, it's – you know, they're always giving Notre Dame like these – these uh jv color guys or 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 play-by-play guys that are basically just hey let's put drew Brees down there and let him you know spacey play in in minor league baseball and get him ready for the major leagues which is going to be bringing him up to the nfl game and it just they'll experiment with camera angles that they want to use for the nfl they'll experiment with on notre dame games it's just it's a product that they just never seem to take seriously and the hope now is is now that you're investing a lot more money in it, that you're going to start taking, more, taking it more seriously. You're going to see, you know, if, if uh, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Ohio State's on at noon, they're going to see a bunch of advertisements for the Notre Dame game that comes on at, you know, 3.30. Actually, that won't be the case for Michigan, Ohio State, because that will always be the weekend at Notre Dame to California. But you get the point, right, is you're going to see a lot more exposure for Notre Dame football uh, now that you're going to be advertising for the Notre Dame upcoming Notre Dame game during a Big Ten game and things along those lines. So, in theory, I think it, it helps a lot. And, and if if NBC is going to do what they say they're going to do, which is start taking college football a lot more seriously,
0: Tom and Myrtle Beach has a theory that, and he's a, he's a big Buckeye fan, and his wife's a Tennessee fan, so he's kind of he's split there. But he's he's a Buckeye fan first and foremost. His theory is that Notre Dame, because Southern Cal, longtime rival, is joining the Big Ten, and you know, eventually maybe they add Oregon or Washington. But for the sake of this argument, it doesn't really matter. Notre Dame could lose Southern Cal as a permanent rival and get squeezed because of this. Is that a problem
1: or a worry? You know, every time there's some sort of expansion. Non Notre Dame fans have this thing about how they're going to get squeezed, right? right. It, it's always the thing, and and Notre Dame would give up USC as a rival before they would feel the need to join a conference, and they just would, and there'd be plenty of people waiting to play them. I mean, it's like when during the COVID year, we, you kept hearing say like, "Ooh, the you." Know, people this is going to hurt really hurt notre dame and notre Dame is going to be screwed and they should really hold the screws to notre dame and the acc was like please come join us we'll do whatever you want us to do to have you be with us for a year and if you look at, at it that was the best you know tv revenue year that the acc ever had why because notre dame and you know people can say they're not relevant they're not this they're not that but the money talks right and Notre Dame does not feel the pressure to join a conference. USC joining the Big Ten, and, not, and if they decide not to play Notre Dame, that's their decision. I think Notre Dame would just find somebody else to play. I, they're, they're they're just not going to get squeezed to join a conference unless, for some reason, not being in a conference eliminates their ability to play for championship. That's the only thing, in my view, that could force Notre Dame to conference or if the TV deal money is so incredible, incredibly different and 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 the gap is just so incredibly big that they have no choice but to join a conference in that regard and that's just never been the case and i don't see that being the case after notre dame because they're, they're not just going to get a new TV, tv deal coming up here soon bill but they're about to get a new apparel deal so notre dame in about a two-year stretch i think 23 is when they get the the apparel deal 24 will be when they get the tv start a new tv deal they're about to get a huge infusion of cash into the program, and Notre Dame's not exactly hurting for money. They, they don't spend it, but they're not hurting for, for money, that's for sure.
0: Brian Driscoll with us, Irish breakdown. It does seem like, back to Swarbrick, that, and obviously he's talking to the NBC suits, he feels like their next contract is going to be much more lucrative than in its current
1: state. Well, oh, certainly. I mean and the the thing that people have to understand is Notre Dame has they, there's a price tag that they put on being independent, meaning there's, there's value that they get out of it that they that most people don't consider or calculate when they just look at raw dollars and cents. You know, and Notre Dame looks at donations and, and, and different things like that and, and the money they're able to raise because of the fact that they travel all over the country to play. That, that most people don't calculate when they look at just, okay, they made this much off the gate, they made this, this much off concessions with parking, they made this much on TV, this much off, you know, whatever the case may be. Notre Dame calculates things a little bit differently. And so if you just look at, well, this is how much they made off TV and compare that to what the Big Ten is making, you're going to think, wow, that's a huge, huge difference. But Notre Dame has a different formula that they look at with that, which includes, You know, the fact that they're able to play all over the country and be in front of their donors and be in front of the boosters. And those people put a a lot of value on them being independent. And then that results in Notre Dame being able to to say, hey, we need to raise $400 million for this Crossroads project. Done. All raised. We need to to raise $100 million to build this new indoor football facility. Done. Money's been raised. And they're not spending a dime on this stuff because it's all being raised. And those things... Uh, You know, where another school may say, hey, we're building a new indoor facility and we're using the money we've got from our deal and from this and from that. Notre Dame goes out and raises it. And those are things that have to factor in uh, to to the the financial calculation that for Notre Dame that I don't think a lot of people uh, put enough emphasis on.
0: Bunch of questions on Twitter. Here's one. Justin Scott, are they still in good shape for the defensive lineman out of Chicago?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's Notre Dame, Georgia's in there, Ohio State's in there, Michigan's in there. We're going to find out a lot about Justin Scott once the visit's open, here once the dead period's over. But, yeah, they're still they're still right there with those teams.
0: Your best-case scenario this spring with the quarterbacks, what do you anticipate happening?
1: Well, I don't know what I anticipate is, is the same as best-case. I think best-case scenario is. Sam Hartman makes a really smooth ET transition, and Notre Dame's able to convince Tyler Buckner to stay. And I think that's a very important thing because I think Sam Hartman gives them a chance to have a really elite offense in 2023. You want to have Tyler Buckner there to learn, to groom under Sam Hartman, and he'll still have two years of eligibility left after that. And I think if Tyler can get some things figured out and get some things corrected mechanically and from a decision-making standpoint, I still believe he has a chance to be a really special player. We saw glimpses of that in the bowl game. So if they come out of the spring with Sam Hartman being that guy that we think he could be and Tyler Buckner realizing that his future still is at Notre Dame, I think the future of the quarterback position at Notre Dame looks really, really good, especially when you look at Kenny Minchie coming in and then C.J. Carr. Notre Dame's quarterback room from a huge question mark coming into 2022 to now I think has a chance to be one of the better in the country now moving forward.
0: I go back and forth with Buckner. He's got to know, though, Brian, and, again, I'm not 20, 21 years old, so at that age it's different, we all know, but he's got to know it's likely he's not starting for now.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, he's not naive, and and, and he was told the same thing that, that Drew Pine was told, you know, is, is we're going to go look out and get a quarterback. They've told him, yeah, you're going to get a chance to compete, and, and look, let's be honest if Tyler Buckner goes out there and just dominates the spring and just outplays Sam Hartman every day, they're going to play Tyler Buckner. I just don't see that happening. Right. And he he knows that. And I think he's going to go out there and battle and, and hopefully decide that he's going to stick, stick it, uh, see it through because I I do believe that a year to let his body heal, to get stronger, to develop himself mechanically, And still, then have two years as a starter. I I think he could do some really special things. I just don't know if he's going to have the patience to do that because, and not so much because of him, Bill. It's just knowing how young people are in today's game, especially with the transfer portal being the way it is, where he could just go somewhere and start right now. You know, I I, it's it's hard to convince kids to stay. I just hope that he does because I think if he can, he can take advantage of learning behind Sam Hartman and, and take aspects of Sam's game that are missing from Tyler's and then still maintain that playmaking ability, I do think he's got a chance to be a special quarterback someday. He just he just lost so much development because of the injury as a sophomore that he cost this whole year, that he misses his senior year because of COVID. You know, he's doing the dual threat thing as a freshman that he misses all of this year. He's just missed so much development time. I think it would be really good for him to just take a year to say, hey, no pressure on you right now. Let's just work on your game and get you ready. I don't know if he'll see it that way, but if he does – I think it can be great for them.
0: Brian, less than a minute question. When the portal opens back up for 15 days in
1: May, will Notre Dame be looking? Yeah, I think they're still going to look for an upgraded guard. Uh, there's a guard from Maryland visiting campus, uh, I think, today or tomorrow. Uh, so they're going to look there. They're always still looking for an upgrade on the defensive line. I think, are the two positions right now that you're going to look Notre Dame is to be active in the portal. And if there's a stud somewhere else, they'll look at it. But I think they're they're pretty solid at those other positions. Defensive line is a place there's still a need. And if they can get an upgraded guard, I think they'd keep their eyes open for that as well.
0: Billy Shrout, though, was considered, I wouldn't say likely, but a possible starter. They like him a lot, though,
1: right? Oh, yeah. They love Billy Shrout. They need two guard. There's two guard openings, though this year. So both guard spots are gone. Josh Lug and Jared Patterson are gone. I think Billy Shrouth is is the leader in the clubhouse at one of those. I think they're still a little young uh, in some of those other guys. So I think that's the reason. It's not a guarantee. It's like if we can upgrade, we'll be open to upgrading in that position.
0: Brian Driscoll, Irish Breakdown. Brian, appreciate the wisdom, man. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me on, Bill.
0: There he is. There you have it. Now – He was very blunt and frank right there about Jack Swarbrick, the messaging about the cheapness involving Andy Ludwig's buyout, how they were on the same page, but he doesn't believe it. I don't believe it either. But they stayed on message, didn't they? (laughs) I mean, if you're a Notre Dame fan, it might irritate you. If you're not a Notre Dame fan, you probably find it funny. But give him a little credit for staying on message, man.